That's so retrograde. Welcome back, you guys. Been a minute. I'm Elizabeth Cott. I'm Stephanie Sambari, and we've missed you so much. And if there was ever a time for a wellness podcast, this like would be one. Right now. Here we are. Yeah. We've had a lot of, please save us so retrograde. You're our heroes. <laughs> You're our only hope. And we're like, we're coming. We're you coming. Know? We just need to pick our hearts up off the floor for a second and figure this world out. And Me we'll too. be right back. Sew it back together with a hemp wick and get it together. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Um, we had our live show last night. Yes, thank you to everyone who came. It was so beautiful. Thanks thank to you. Health Aid Kombucha. Sean Scanlon from Small Pools for playing the fucking theme song. I cannot get it out of my head. I'm living for it. And Moon Juice founder Amanda Chantel Bacon. You guys can hear that. We're going to push that out at some point. It was wonderful. At it some was, point. <laughs> I don't know the schedule. It's You'll hear it. We're not going to make there. any promises. Um. But we had, it was just a really beautiful, it was almost like a healing, very beautiful coming together. And um, I know it's not time for Roses and Thorns yet, but it was a 9 p.m. show, which is edging us closer to the late night spot that we so desperately dream of. Yes. Not desperately, you know, uh, abundantly. Chilly dream of. Dream of. <laughs> Chill and abundantly dream of a late night show. And um, that last night really got us closer to that. So. So grateful. It was awesome. And the show before that that you guys heard, we did our uh, consciousness within this election episode. And, uh, you know, the one thing we didn't <laughs> consider in that interview was that he might win. Right. We so, just were like, that's not in our L.A. bubble of possibility. But we're all love. We support whatever side you are on. Gonna Long go out on a limb everybody. Here, on, a, on a limb. Yeah. Take a risk. Yeah. And say, Doubtful. That so retrograde listeners are supporting Trump, right? But you but never you know, know. if you are actually, you know what? In the spirit of coming together, sh- hashtag stronger together. <laughs> I want to say, if you are, I am so curious. Me too. About so curious. your point of view and the way that you feel, and don't be afraid to come out of the shadows and share with us your point of view because I truly do believe that in this time, like a dialogue between sides is the only way that we're going to find wholeheartedly any agree. healing. So, absolutely, come forth, you wellness advocates who also love Trump. Yeah. I want to know who you are. Are you real? <laughs> yes. Um, so, to that. We have a really exciting guest today. We, I think, and I know you'll agree, Steph, that it's a really uplifting discussion. We have poet, artist, children's book author, just inspiring, an inspiring, cool individual of a person. Dallas Clayton is here. Yay! It's an awesome conversation, just about how we can all do our little part to make this world better. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it in such a beautiful way and in such a beautiful example. Mm-hmm. So let's just welcome Dallas to the show. Enough of us chatting. Hi, Dallas. Yay. You are Yay. an author and an illustrator of children's books and a motivational artist of sorts, I would say. That's cool. From what I know of your work. Yeah, we get the pleasure of getting to see your work all around Los Angeles. I'm, I'm glad. And uh, it's, like, it's like a little hug from the universe every time we happen upon it, which is why we wanted to bring you on. It was beautiful, yeah. A hug from the universe. Well, from me, <laughs> via the universe. Via the yeah, universe, yeah. exactly. I'm just a so conduit. Or it's from, you are a conduit. I wrote that down. I said, you're a conduit for change and love and creativity. Look at that. Yeah. I feel like that's really what you are. We're linking up here. We're, we're, it's synchronicity. So it's beautiful. You Look probably don't remember this, but we met maybe like two years ago. A girlfriend of ours, Jade Cataprata, is a huge fan of yours. 
and we were at Proof Bakery, and you had had a billboard across the street from that in Atwater. Mm. And she was talking to me for about 10 minutes about how much she loved you. She's like, oh, that's my favorite artist. I love him. She was going through your Instagram. showing, And then all of a sudden you walked by. And she stopped you and said, I'm just a huge fan of your work. And you were so sweet. You were so kind. And then like 10 minutes later, you came out and gave us each a cookie. Oh, wow. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) You don't remember? (laughs) That's amazing. And we were like, that was next level. Oh, that's great. It was really cool. And you were like, oh, I'm so sweet. No, I, I, I mean... I think that that's what I would hope the answer would be. Yeah. Like, r- rather than, like, oh, I met that dude and he ignored me, or like, I, I, there's, I think I did so much of that in my life, mm-hmm. my youth, that I'm, I'm actively making up for it. Like, so much of like, oh, I met that guy and he was a jerk. Mm, so, right. Yeah, that's great. That it makes was, me really happy. It was <laughs> really awesome. So. Thank you. Was the cookie for that. good? It was fabulous. Oh. Proof. I think it's called Proof Bakery, the place yeah, yeah. with the tiny sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. It's Delicious my favorite sandwiches. spot. Ugh, everything. Um, anyway, so that was really my first introduction to you is to your art and also you as an individual. That and makes both me really happy. were like really stellar. <laughs> so thanks for coming today. That's great. My friend, uh, I made this friend from Denmark. Uh, she was walking down the street, and me and my buddy were, he was trying to write a song. And, uh, he was trying to figure out the chorus for the song. We passed this girl on the street, and we were like, hey, uh, what do you think is a better chorus for this song? And she answered, and then we were like, where are you going? She's like, I don't know. I just got here from Denmark. I don't know anyone. And then we ended up, she had never driven a car, and so my friend and I were like, well, you want to go try to practice driving a car? So we ended up going and (laughs) driving a car. And we made really good friends with her. Her name is Emily. And uh, and a little while later, she ran into, like, another group of my friends and was like... uh, they said, "How do you know Dallas?" And she said, "I just he I met him on the street randomly, and he started talking to me." And then, and then my one of the, my other friends goes, "Oh, that's how I met him too." And then the other one was like, "That's how everybody meets." <laughs> that's him. awesome. So that feels good. Yeah, that's Beautiful. a great way to meet people. <laughs> Fuck Tinder. How would you describe your work that you do, like in your own words? Um, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like, I usually just say that I write kids' books because that's an easy thing to say. So you're speaking to, like, a dialed-in, mindful group of wellness-interested people, our beautiful listeners. Um, Well, if that's the case, then I probably wouldn't try to define what I'm doing at all. (laughs) Right. I would like to say that it's just No labels. Yeah, that it lives in a world that is equal parts inspiration and um, art and family and, like, emotional check-in all sort of mixed into one mm-hmm. and that that uh, I'm just going to try to sound as like uh, like as nebulous and as Perfect. absurd as possible for your audience. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it, it can take kind of any form and that can exist in books or it can exist uh, 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 in murals. It can exist in live performances. It can exist in um, a digital interface in whatever way, posting on whatever channels people post on. Mm-hmm. Does that sound convoluted yeah, enough? Yeah, no, I love it. Okay, cool. Every, I can Perfect. hear the lady boners. Uh, that's <laughs> why hear them. It's why it's easier just to say that I write kids' books and then like excavate <laughs> from, there. from there. Sure. Yeah. Well, you do write kids' books. You've written seven books. That's at the core of it. That's okay. sort of the foundation. Was that the beginning of this whole sort of journey for you? Yeah, that was the that was the kind of the impetus was I, I wrote a book for my son um, several years ago and then that book uh, b- 
became popular, and then that became uh, like snowballed into. A what was the title career. of that? It was one? called an awesome book. That's how bad I am at <laughs> self promotion. So I like this story of this book. I I read and, and listened a bit about this, and I wanted to reiterate it if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Yeah. Um. T- tell me where to start. So basically, just you wrote this book for your son, and. You were you were making zines before? Yeah. Okay, let's go there for a second. Okay. What were your zines about? Um, just like garbage. Right. <laughs> okay. Like, you hadn't found your voice yet. No, I had definitely had a voice, but it was the voice of like a you know a sort of punk teenage kid that uh, moved from a small town to a big city and was like, I know everything. Mm, okay. Um, so it's sort of just like. I would imagine like the emotional ramblings that you could find on any blog at this point, right? Right. Um, it's observations about the world and like what sucks and how I don't really have any plans to fix it. Right. But it sucks. Anarchy. <laughs> not even anarchy, just more like um, like here's a lot of what's not that I don't even believe these things, but like here's a lot of what's wrong with the capitalist system and here's how it makes me feel and. I don't really have a solution, so the closest solution is like, let's just have fun with our friends, like kick things over and climb things, mm-hmm. and right? Like set the shit on fire. It's interesting that that point of view kind of transitioned into this motivational children's <laughs> author voice. Yeah, it's still at the core. I think. I mean, most of my books, I think, have have somewhat of a a, a contrarian. Um, but it's positively theme. Yeah, it's a positive contrarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying this is what the world is going to want you to do and feel and think and be like, and you're like, no, keep discovering your magic, keep loving everybody, Yeah, don't let that fuck you up. Yeah, I think that that's that's probably the, the, maybe in a way I'm speaking to my teenage self through a lot of what I do, which is just Mm. this idea of like, yeah, of course things are fucked. Yeah. Things have always been fucked and will always continue to be fucked because we live in an imperfect world. And I don't mean that like in a American way, I mean that in like a universal systemic Mm -hmm. Uh, sort of way and um, how can we make them less fucked in in the way that makes us happiest and also feels like we're um, I don't know if if you believe in fate or gifts or whatever uh, that you're using your your best power yeah and that's why I love that you're kind of targeting children and I know it came from a place for you but like that's that's the place where we all lose it Mm. We like as children, we all have that like magical, creative, you know, innate truth that we have. And then as we get older, we're like conditioned out of that. And so your message is really like stay with that. Yeah, I feel you approached a number of publishers with oh, a yeah, that concept. Yeah, that's what I was going to get. to. And you were basically turned down. And then what happened? So making zines and doing things was kind of at the core of who I was. So when I tried to make a book and get it published, I thought it was going to be the first thing that I did that was like, oh, you're this is there's a real machine involved in making this, right? Like children's books have been published for hundreds of years. You go to the publisher, you give them a book, they make it and it ends up in stores. <laughs> right. That's not how it works. But so I thought that was how it worked. And because I thought that was how it worked, uh, I went and tried to work those proper channels and it, everyone turned me down. And then just the default setting inside of me is like, oh, well, okay, now I have to go make a book. I don't want to, but okay, I'm going to go do that. How do you do that? Well, it's just like a bigger version of a zine, right? You have to go find a publisher, you go find a printing press, make a couple copies, put them online, sell them. So that's what I did. I made some copies of it, um, and then they ended up selling out really quickly. I put them online, and they sold pretty fast, like in a week. And then I was like, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) Uh, That'll be the end of my 
bookmaking career. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with them. Uh, and then I ordered some more, and then those ones sold out between when I when I printed them and when they arrived in my house. And then it just continued like that. How did people know where to find them? Like, where did you put them online? Well, at the time, I was sort of I had made the transition from zines to blog, and I was running kind of just a, a blog spot that was, you know, just sort of ramblings of my day, kind of a continuation of the zine world. And uh, so I just put some copies up, um, mostly for my friends. And I don't know, the internet took care of the rest. It, it just sort of flooded. And Thank you, internet. Yeah, it was great. It was a, a sort of a great eye-opening. I think I would say that was probably my first real experience with, with what the internet could do beyond, you know, like Google Maps or whatever. In this process <laughs> of you putting out your first book, did you have another job at the time? No, this is L.A. Why would I have a job? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I Good kind of point. did everything that you could do. That's why I moved here was like, I felt like everyone in New York had three jobs mm-hmm. and everyone in L.A. had no jobs. <laughs> and so I was still in my 20s just kind of fooling around trying to figure out, like, uh, I don't know, w- what I felt inside myself and how to put that into a medium. Um, and so it was just more of a dabbling experience at that point. So you were a writer, and I was I read and saw that you never drew before you drew your first book. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think everybody drew, but I never did anything. Yeah, but you were never like, I'm an illustrator, no, I'm no, an no. artist in that way. You were like, I'm a words person. Yeah, I, I I wrote the book pretty quickly, like in a couple minutes, and then, because this is a poem, and then um, and I was like, who's going to draw this book? And I have a bunch of friends that are really good illustrators, especially better than me, if that's a thing that you can quantify. And... Uh, I kind of thought about, I was really poor at the time too. I thought about the rigmarole of doing that where you're trying to get your friend to do some work for free that they don't want to do, like illustrate a whole book. And and also I thought about my experiences with that in the past where you do that and then they come back and you're like, this isn't how I want it. Now you can't tell them. Get what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You cleaned my house for free and you did a terrible job. Yeah. So I thought, well, it'll probably just be easier for me to figure out how to draw than it will be to find the person and teach them what I see. And um, I had a friend who said, it's for kids. They won't know if you're bad at drawing. And that made me really Because they're the worst. <laughs> that's so, that's so, such an interesting anecdote because on this show, a theme that we've been exploring in the past few months is giving yourself permission to be the beginner. Okay. And when you look through what you do in your day-to-day or trying new things through that lens, like it really takes a lot of the heaviness off of not knowing how to do something or not being a pro at it and just seeing it through almost as if it was like childlike eyes. Yeah, sure. How often do you feel like you have to give yourself that permission? Like every day? Or just whenever starting It's really, you know, this idea was introduced um, on a previous episode through a guest we had, Emily Pereira, Mm -hmm. who just kind of one day decided she was going to approach her life in that way Mm. of through the eyes of a beginner. And mm-hmm. as a way to let herself off the hook when she was trying things and didn't feel and like, didn't, she, like was... she wanted to, very much in like the artistic sense, she wanted to start music, uh-huh. she wanted to begin drawing, and just she felt like she wasn't good. Oh. And that whole, this idea has like really become like a really interesting theme as we speak to other people. So you had never essentially illustrated anything before. That's true. And here you are illustrating a book yes. that had all of a sudden like caught people's attention and uh-huh. people were into it. What was the next 
step for you when then you were like, hey, I see a blank wall in this building. I better tackle it or. Oh, no. <laughs> it was much more organic than that. <laughs> I guess when you're talking about the idea of uh, approaching things as a beginner, the cool thing is I imagine if you look back at anything you've done in life, career-wise or, I don't know, romance-wise or just life, tackling, moving and things, the first time you moved to L.A. or whatever city you live in, um, if you were to go back and be, like, from a coaching perspective, you'd be like, oh, there's 400 different ways that you could have made this happen more efficiently or economically. Um, fortunately, I'm, I'm a poet, mm. and, like, efficiency and economy and and goals aren't really in the cards and i think it's all about subtlety and sort of traipsing and finding and exploring and accidentally going down the wrong path um so from book to wall is like a huge journey because basically i put out these books um i wanted to go on tour uh, and in order to do a children's book tour traditionally you try to um, set up different readings in different cities and then sell a bunch of books to those kids at those schools because those schools report back to the New York Times so you can get on the bestseller list. Mm. So what happens is you'll have a publisher and they'll go to a school in Florida and they'll say, hey, come read at this school and they'll send home slips to all the kids and the kids will buy books and then they'll buy them from a bookstore that reports to the bestseller so that you can try to get your author on the bestseller Interesting. list. Interesting. It's fucking ridiculous. The, under, the underbelly of it's it all. so yeah. weird. It's Dark. so dumb. <laughs> and so well, I guess it made sense. Like every... For every year prior to 2004, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but now it's ridiculous. And so um, because I published myself, I was like, I can just go to schools and give away books. Because I knew that if I was a kid at one of those schools, I wouldn't have brought the permission slip. Yeah, I was I just going to say, money. what kid is bringing money? Like, that's so, so many lots processes. Of them, really? Lots of them, but, like, not me. Like, lots of kids that are, like were aware of their surroundings and had parents that like had money to spend on them for right. sure. So that wasn't me. Right. And so uh um I just thought I could go and give away books and so that's what I did. So I, I booked a tour and just drove across country and read at different places and gave away books. And after doing that, uh uh I found not only that my audience was really wide and varied, not just little kids, but like middle schools and high schools and colleges and rock shows and stuff, but that also when you go to schools, there's a ton of wall space. And so if I'm already at the place, I'm already at the town, wherever, Indianapolis, and I've made the effort to be there and I've read to the kids and we've had this moment, like, why not do as much as we can while we're there? Yeah. What's the cookie that I can buy and give to the children, mm. right? And so... Uh, after a while, I just started saying, well, hey, can I paint stuff? And sometimes they'd be like, can you paint this canvas? And then I'd be like, well, you have this whole wall by the gym. So then I just started painting murals um, at schools because I, I liked the idea uh, when I was a kid how important, especially in elementary school, how important that sort of stuff was. How you, I'm having you, a flashback. Of a mural? Of murals in my elementary school. Yeah, and how it was really cool. They're probably really still special. there. I'm they're, sure they they're are. They're probably the exact same one. I'm sure they are. You go to most schools outside of, I mean, even in L.A., but you, you go to most schools in the middle of the country, and, you know, it's like, there, it's a real time gap. So, like, there'll be a mural of, like, Dick Tracy and Batman. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, some artist came through once. Somebody's yeah. uncle was an artist, and they did this whole thing. And so it's beautiful because it's, it's a time capsule, and, and, and usually the artistic prowess of the person painting the mural isn't that amazing so there's all these inconsistencies like Bart Simpson has like the wrong amount of fingers or whatever um 
so yeah, so then I started doing that. And each one of these stages, I'm just kind of slowly legitimizing a career that doesn't exist. That's know? what I love about it. It's like you're just like, I have this idea and I want to do it. And you say it and then it becomes a thing. Yeah. And so each time I'm going through it, I'm kind of just borrowing from templates that I've seen used in the past, which would be like band tour, like skateboarding tour, like mm. these sort of, well, this is how it's normally done. But all my other friends did it this way for their profession. I'll just use these pages, you know. And so, um, like, at this point, I do enough murals uh, in the world outside of schools. I do public murals and things like that. Recently, I did a um, – there's a school. God, I don't know if you can see it from here. Uh, uh, it used to be at the Ambassador Hotel. It's called Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, I guess it's just school because it's elementary through high school. It's the biggest school, I think, on the West Coast. Gigantic. Um, and it's here in downtown LA? It's on um, – kind of like close to Miracle Mile, Mm -hmm. Wilshire. It's right where the ambassador was, Wilshire in Vermont, where Kennedy was shot. Um, History lesson. Yeah, it's crazy. You go in the library and there's a a plaque where Robert Kennedy was killed that used to be the uh, kitchen of the ambassador. What? Fucked up. Yeah, scary. Huge building. Anyway, this guy named Warren uh, put together this mural campaign over like two years to try to make it the biggest... Um, public outdoor mural gallery. So we got, you know, Shepard Ferry and a bunch of like street artists to come and everybody got to do buildings, really beautiful. And so I did one of the buildings and while I was there, I was talking to all these graffiti artists basically who I'm familiar with just through life, but it's so far away from how I ended up in painting buildings. Mm -hmm. And it was really funny to watch that, like the conversation where they, because their world is uh, street art and graffiti has like a lot of rules to it, you know, and there's a protocol and sure. there's kind of, it's all about earning respect and there's just a lot of, and so I was just kind of coming to it like, well, I don't know, dude, I'm not going to this building or whatever. And it, it felt really cool to be living parallel paths to someone, but still be completely outside of their universe. Um, I don't know how I started talking about that. That's interesting. But no, you, we, we asked you about book to mural. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, and with each one of those is like a, I wish that it were that simple, you mm-hmm. know, like I wish that, again, looking back at it, if, if I were a coach or a manager or something, I would go, yeah, just paint some schools and then use that as a, as a resume to paint. People will then ask you to paint larger buildings, but there's no, there was no preconceived notion. Right. It was not premeditated. It was, you were it was just, just like, oh, I'm at this place. Can I paint on this thing? And that's generally what I'm doing most of the time, which is like, I'm here. What of these things can I disrupt? Uh, that will be fun and without getting arrested. And that's kind of like where I'm at most of the time. I think this is great because I feel like a lot of our, the people that, you know, listen to this show and also just like in general in life, there's something about it being difficult to kind of go on your own path because there hasn't been someone who's done that before you. Yeah. And what you're describing is kind of, exactly that like Mm -hmm. you're like I just do this thing and it hasn't really been done in this way and because of that I sort of like stole from other models of just what were accepted methods of creativity and it became its own thing and that's it's very evident in in your work that it's coming from that place so you you really created space for people to awaken creativity and in the essence of being a beginner what is it that you would suggest to people who who are inspired to 
take a step and maybe pick up a marker, but still feel a little bit of pushback. And maybe it's not drawing, maybe it's mm. writing, maybe it's dancing, who knows? But is there any like takeaways that you can provide? Um, I mean, you already know what the answer is. Just do it. Yeah, it's like you wish that that wasn't a Nike slogan because it's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's like so good. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. Um, I don't know if. Well, let's see. So how do we how do we reinvent just do it to make it seem less like a bumper sticker? Let's right. give it like a depth, like a heart. Well, I think. Um, I think that the probably the real answer is it's going to take a long time. Mm. Um, the advice that I usually give people is to try to pick something that you can do in your kitchen. So like r- the other day I got in an Uber and the Uber driver was talking to me about how he had written a musical, but the musical was an adaptation of Clueless, that he didn't have the rights to Clueless. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great. I want that. <laughs> we need that. Yeah, so go for it. He didn't have the rights to Clueless. Yeah. And then he went off on this whole uh, reasoning as to why his career wasn't working mm. and also to why uh, just across the board he didn't feel fulfilled. And a lot of it had to do with this barrier to entry, this idea that it takes however many millions of dollars to make a musical, I don't even know, right? And I just kept thinking, again, coming from this DIY place, like, just go make it in a in a, a auditorium with your buddies or Spell whatever. Go it do it in clueless, a park. C-L-O-O-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, like, go, go make the thing. Go do the thing. And I think if you can, it has to be something that you can do in your kitchen immediately. And you have to know that it's not going to be as good as you want it to be. And that's what's going to make you want to do more things. You're going to make a crappy version of something that people are going to love. And you're going to feel, all you're going to see are the, like, cracks and flaws. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to chase that up with more and more things if it is what you what you love to do. Or you'll make a thing and you'll be like, that was garbage. I don't ever want to do that again. And now you can go try other, you know, put your finger in other pies and see what that feels like. Um, was it you that said on the, on the podcast that I listened to that, like, Hopefully the thing that you want to do is in line with what you're good at. Maybe. That, I don't that, know. I don't know what I've who said. Who said that? I forget. But it was, it's kind of like what you're saying where it's like try it and if you love it, then you'll keep doing it and getting better at it. And if you don't, then you'll try something else. I think that the sad part, generally we're talking about art here. It's rare that we're talking about someone who's like, I want to be a doctor, but I don't know. Right. right? It's, I feel like those people have a... I don't know if it's left brain, right brain. I don't know what it is, but I feel like... It's because that's supported in society more. No. I think at this point, I think it was maybe 20 years ago, but I think at this point there are enough TV shows and there's enough notoriety for people that have been artists that that's a a pretty well-supported career path. Obviously, doctor and lawyer, that's like a punchline at this point, but... um, it's not the 50s anymore. People are like, you're going to be a guitarist? How could you ever make money doing that? Or whatever. Sure, like, yeah. The internet exists. And so... Um, Justin Bieber became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it became a blueprint for a yeah. thing, right? And so maybe that informs this even more. I think that the, the part where people get sidetracked is that they look at that blueprint and they can't divorce what it is that they want, the feelings they want to address inside themselves um, get sort of... Uh, um, confused with the model of either celebrity or fame or wealth or whatever system you're trying to pursue art within, right? And I think that the the real answer is all of that is is kind of just like superfluous nonsense that has muddied up what is ultimately sharing uh, observations about feelings and the world around you. And 
the more that you can do that, I think the more you'll be rewarded, whether or not that's financially rewarded or socially rewarded. You can't make any promises. That's just for yourself. Yeah, I think you'll be rewarded for doing that. And if if you continue to do that, if you continue to do that and you continue to be rewarded and you're able to grow, I think you'll do it forever. I don't think you'll stop doing it unless you physically you become unable to do it. But the part where it gets uh, sidetracked is that you start tying that into money and fame and power and all these just, I, I don't know... Uh, not real ideas. I don't even know if they're not real ideas. I think that they're illusions. I think that they're, they're sort of holograms of, of what the purpose of, of making art is. And to chase those holograms, I mean, is a... Well, it's it not that it doesn't work. It does, it's not that it doesn't work. It's not that it's not a good strategy, but I think it's good, to, it's good to remember what it is you're making things for. And so the long way of saying it is that the thing that excites me the most about the internet is that we're entering into a, f- a phase where things become less about a category. So it becomes less about like you're a children's book author or you're a musician or you're a comedian or whatever it is that you do. And it becomes more about uh, I'm an artist under the umbrella as we are all artists because we all have ideas and create them. We're all walking around with paintbrushes in our pockets right now. And we can document the things that we see. And hopefully other people have had similar feelings and those feelings can make them uh, 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 it can change their day. It can uh, have uh, inspire them in some way. They can have an idea that, let's say that they are a doctor, that that idea can go on to change, I don't know, the lives of millions of people. Um, I think it's kind of a disservice to the world to get caught up in, in the, the track of uh, trying to ascend the ladder of art and fame rather than um, just trying to address those feelings inside of yourself. Does that make sense? Makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah, that makes all the sense. I love it. I want to kind of go back because we wanted to tie this in. We're going to talk for like three hours. Yeah, yeah we sure Yeah, we are. I want to go back to um, one of my earlier questions um, regarding your transition from zine making to children's book making and kind of Wait, talk- can I talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, okay. of course. Here's the thing that's, uh, that I feel like is Am maybe I- not being addressed. Okay. So... We'll use Justin Bieber as an example. Or just use pop music as an example because I think it's, it's a, a template that people have figured out. It's a yeah. code that people have cracked, right? This is what it sounds like. This is how it works. Right. I think that the dangerous part of that is that as an artist, if it is your job to see something and reflect it back to people, the more that you continue to perpetuate these ideas that have already been shown to people, the further away we get from saying, like, look at all these subtleties and nuances that are life, that are music, that are poetry, which is the point of these things, to, like, extract those essences, those little weird threads, and show them to people and magnify them, right? That's beautiful. Because then people that feel those things don't feel alone, and then, like, kids don't feel like killing themselves. Right. But the more that you give them this black and white duality of, like, this is uh, the top of the mountain and everything else is garbage or this is how a pop song works, or this is a three-act structure of a film, and this is there's nothing in between, I think you're doing a disservice to the world because um, all of those people who have those feelings inside of themselves don't have anyone to relate to. So again, going into this like beauty of the internet, rather than uh, what it's been in the past, which is this kind of, here are the gatekeepers that allow stories to be told. Songs need this sort of structure. Movies need this sort of structure. Now you're living in this fractured universe where everyone can be an artist, and therefore we can collectively uplift. And that's really beautiful because now the kid that's in middle school that feels like 
my ideas aren't being addressed, might get his ideas addressed by another kid in middle school that's in another country mm. thousands of miles away. And, and that, to me, uh, I think is going to be the biggest part of, of um, I don't know, the disruption of celebrity culture, I guess, really. Yeah, I want to touch on, go back to the collective uplifting that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, you have a very, I think, widely recognized piece up at uh, on Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake. Uh-huh. Two hands that say stand here and think about someone you love. Yes. Your signature two hands. Mm-hmm. First, let's talk about those hands. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. You don't know? It's just uh, like, I, I bless come up? up with a better story. <laughs> um, no, it's just a draw. It's just fun to draw. Yeah. And it became um, a thing that I'm not that good at drawing um, in a traditional sense. Like I couldn't do like a figure in portraiture class or if you like do a realistic portrait of me and it sometimes it's to my disadvantage because sometimes people will be like hey do you want to illustrate this piece for me and I'll be like I can't draw a car like I know that if you want me to do I know what you want and it's not going to end up how you want right um and I can draw hands, hands. I can draw this the silhouette of things pretty well and I'll also maybe backtracking a little bit because I started painting murals in schools sometimes what would happen is you sew up at a school and you don't know how big the wall is what kind of supplies you have it might be like finger paint Mm -hmm. so here's we have a 60 foot wall and here's some (laughs) markers and finger paint and your assistants are like 40 kindergartners who don't make it easier they actually make it harder so I kind of developed this style organically that was like put me anywhere give me the minimal amount of supplies and I can probably make something like um hopefully inspirational, but also very colorful, and, and the, the act of doing it is going to be rewarding for everyone involved. Um, so stylistically, the hands and everything that I do kind of evolved around that, which is like, I want it to look like a kid did it because we're all kids, and I want you to know that you could do it too. Nice. You know, I don't, I don't want to live in a place where I'm making things that are so unattainable that, that it feels like... I don't know. Again, can't connect, some, yeah. some teenager is like, whoa, I can't even, I can't even imagine... Um, because to me, it's all about like themes and ideas yeah. rather than like, oh, look at this drawing I did of a dog. So, um, yeah, so I just started drawing these hands and I don't know why it became a real easy thing. And also it's something that you could do like physically, you can <laughs> yeah. do this doesn't translate on radio. Hands up. Hands up. Over your head. And that's cool. Uh, and yeah, so that kind of just steamrolled and, and then, um, that, I don't know what the second half well, of that question yeah. was. So, um, so I walk by it frequently, mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in Silver Lake, yeah. and uh, it was the Sunday that the uh, Orlando shooting had occurred. Mm-hmm. I spoke about this on the show previously. So Dallas is that artist, if you guys remember, um, and was on like a silent walk with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. so distraught as everyone. You could just feel the energy around. It was just so sad. Yeah. And was on this walk, like my throat was so tight, I couldn't even... Sure. I was trying to have a talk it out with my boyfriend, and we couldn't even speak. And I'm walking down Sunset Boulevard, and I look down, and there was chalk on the ground that you'd <laughs> left under your mural. And I just sat down, and I started drawing, and a collection of people joined in. Oh. And it was such a pure, beautiful moment in such darkness yeah. that... It, I, I don't even have the words to proper, properly thank you uh, for providing that and creating beautiful. that space. It really, really meant a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's our job, right? Like, that's what we should be doing. That was a big, I mean, that was a heavy day, I think, for everyone. Day, but yeah. 
a lot of what I do revolves around posting things on Instagram. Yeah. Right? Which in, in certain ways feels hollow and in certain ways feels distant from from the actuality of making art, right? Because I think the main reason is because we don't have any nostalgia for it. Because there's no like, oh, I grew up on Instagram. Right. Oh, that was my favorite Instagram <laughs> when I was a kid or whatever. You don't have That's any... It's going to be a sentence. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. It probably is right now. Yeah. There's kids in high school right now that are like, oh, I used to love that Instagram or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, classic Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So because that doesn't exist... It feels gross sometimes, and and obviously, I mean, yeah. this is a it's a meme at this point to be like, thoughts and prayers is a meme, right? That's we've come to a place where everyone has a voice, everyone has access to their own newspaper, and when a tragedy happens that's big enough for them to report, for them to take a moment out of their day to report on, um, it feels somehow like they aren't really attached to that idea, like because I. Uh, and posting a thing about it, somehow I'm not actually affected. It's just that I'm doing a service. Right. And I don't think that's true. I think when people post things in their worlds, they are genuinely feeling that. And so, it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not aware of that tightrope walk. And so when that happened, it, the majority of what I do is like pretty uplifting, positive stuff. So when you're living in darkness, when the world is hit with darkness, what are you supposed to do? You're feeling darkness just as much as everyone else. Um, I think that the best thing that you can do is to try to use whatever tools you have as a creator or human to go and try to share with people, to try to let them know that you're there, that if they need a space or that we're all there, that these things have happened in the past and that we've moved through them collectively. So I just went and bought a bunch of chalk and kind of just started drawing on the ground and, and making these rainbows. I kind of was like, how many rainbows do you think I could put in the city if I just went around during the day? And that, like, selfishly makes me feel really good. The act of doing it feels mm-hmm. like the tactile nature of drawing on the ground feels good. The idea of um, not being up in the, on top of a mountain, the idea of, like, being on the ground where the dirt and people walk, that's beautiful to me. And the idea of, of kind of showing up to a place, putting something into the world, drawing something, and then just vanishing and going like, here, this is yours now. Deal with it however you want. Think about it however you want. So I started just putting a bunch of rainbows throughout the city. And um, and by the end of it, I was like, this is fulfilling, but I feel like I'm doing it on my own. And I feel like today of all days is a day where we should all be doing things together. But kind of no one had any suggestion as to what to do so I thought oh I'll just go and buy a bunch of chalk and then leave it at this mural and tell people that they can go draw if they want and uh and yeah I guess it worked it sure did (laughs) definitely (laughs) did do you have we talk a lot about ritual and practice and the, the things that keep us in our flow state or help bring us to that do you have a pre creation uh ritual or practice? I don't really want to ever live in a place where I have a ritual or, like, a schedule. I tried my hardest to, like, that's why I didn't listen to this before I came. Like, I want to be as confused as possible. I want to be, and I think it goes to this idea of of um, the more that you get stuck in these routines of this is how a song is made or this is how a poem is written or this is how a day is supposed to work, mm-hmm. I think the further you get away from, from um, childlike wonder and... and um, uh, you know, leaving your house and being completely surprised by what's going to happen next. I like, that's kind of why I thrive on tour too, you know, because again, 
it's a wall, but it's a wall in another city. It's a, it, oh, I didn't know this was going to be here. Okay, what are these tools I have to use? So, and the other element of that is I have a child, and that very much requires you to have a schedule. And so a huge part of my 20s was having a schedule when none of my friends had to have a schedule. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is not a reaction to that, but I think if I didn't have that, I would go crazy. Like if I had to have a schedule for being a dad and a schedule for making art, I would... I don't think that I don't think it would be of benefit to anyone. But how do you stay like not losing your mind um, rather than ritual? Just like is there something that you do to like get connected to this thing that you're talking about, which is like that wonderment? I mean, I feel. Oh yeah, I mean, I, it's so in part of my, who I am at this point that it's always there. I think it's like a muscle memory at this point. You know, like if I'm in a room that I've never been in before, all I'm thinking about is like, what can we do to this room? Like, how can we, <laughs> usually I'm thinking, how can we get out of this room? Right. <laughs> um, and go out into a place where there's, because now that we're in a room, there's way less likely that things are going to happen. So uh, when I was uh, um, in my 20s, I lived in this house with a bunch of people, uh, as one does, a bunch of artists making stuff. And one of the days this guy showed up uh, friend of mine and he had a button making machine to make these little you know the little buttons that everyone used to wear when they were like in emo bands or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he had a button making machine and I came downstairs from my room and there was a button maker in my house so then I got to go oh okay I've never used this before let's figure out how to use this we got to figure out how to use it and then we started making buttons little buttons and by the beginning of the day to the end of the day um, you know, it went from like, oh, there's a little button to like, oh, what happens if we put flowers in this? Or what happens if we put like construction paper? How can we go? Uh, uh, how far away from what we normally think of as a button can we get? So by the end of the day, I felt like I had realized two things. Number one, um, I didn't want to be a professional button maker. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, I took a thing that I didn't know how to do. And I feel like I learned it to the point, not of mastery, but to where like I've had that experience. And that's all I want my whole life to be. It's just someone showing up and being like, here's a button maker. Here's a thing that you've never used. See what you can do with it. Decide if you want this to be a part of your life forever or for the next six weeks or just for today. And, and, and then hopefully the, the other component to that would be now you've made all these buttons. Can you go give them to people? Like, Can you make things that are then going to make people's lives better so that this experience isn't just about you and it's about us? Um, uh, so I guess the routine is no routine for that reason. Cool. Uh, <laughs> really like inspired by that a yeah, whole me too. Bunch, I'm like, man. I need to start sleeping later. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> so you, you are now moving into the realm of live shows. Yeah. You have this UCB show that's quite popular here. Yeah, I guess so. What yeah. is it? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. What's so it the, called? It's called Radical Feelism. Okay. But it's not really a thing. It's not like a um, show. But what? backtrack. So when I would go to schools and read to kids, uh, what would happen is I would, you know, paint murals and do these things in sort of similar organic fashion. Uh, When you show up to a school, generally you're reading to a classroom full of children. You're sitting in a rocking chair and you're turning the pages to a book. To me, that seemed absurd because I've already, again, I've come to the city. There's... 2,000 kids in some of these schools. Why not read to all of them? So what I started doing was like, let's put the book aside, just read these as poems out loud and get kids excited and, and have a more of an experience. Get them in the gym. Get them on the football field. Let's do everything at once. And so with that 
I found that like I would do that, and then the next day I would have to go read somewhere else that was like grown-ups, high school or college or an ad agency or whatever, a tech conference. I think I did a conference in this building over here <laughs> once. Um, and so with that, you can't just do one poem and then you're done because that's like three minutes and then it's done. Right. So it became more about like, well, let me tell you about my experiences in life. And that kind of developed into this other weird sub-career, parallel career of like, a motivational speaking, I guess, would be the the worst name for it. <laughs> um, and uh, and so uh, so I did that for a fair amount. And uh, then UCB, I had done ASCAT a couple times as a monologist, which okay. I don't know how cool if that's like inside baseball. So here. like an, that's an improv show that you just kind of like give some context for their there's tell a, a story. There's kind story. of a it's kind of like the most well-known improv show at UCB that's yeah. been running for their whole time. And what you do is they have guest speakers come and you tell a story and then based on a suggestion from the audience and then improvers will improv based on that right. story. And it's so fun. It's the most fun to do because I don't, again, I don't know what's going to be said. And so I get to, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. And um, UCB emailed me and they were like, hey, we have, it was a couple months ago, they said, we have a, an hour next week. Do you want to do an hour? And I said, immediately I said yes, because it's, it's like the rule. Yeah, and, of course. And then, I, <laughs> and, the then, and then I thought, I don't have an hour. Like, I don't know what I want to talk about. But it's sort of the same as the crane. There's no standard for what it can be because you're doing a, not a comedy show at a comedy venue, not an improv show at an improv venue. And you can kind of, and I don't really do what most of those people do. So uh, I just kind of was like, all right, I'm going to call it radical feelism because that's not a real thing. And then just go and talk. So I did one um, show, and it again, it was like I didn't really know what was going to be the results. I put it up. It sold out real quickly. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, that makes me feel better. I don't have to promote a thing. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, I did the past, like, four. I've done four of them the past four months. The next one's next week. It's the last one there. And they've been so good, like, we, so fulfilling. We want to go. You should come. Yeah. Come. You guys when is it? Where is the it? The 12th at UCB Sunset. October 12th, UCB mm -hmm. Sunset at what time? 7 p.m. Cool. Beautiful. Um, it's already sold out for the listeners. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. I think but this is going to run come. after <laughs> it. But you guys should come. Absolutely. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's been really amazing. And so, like, the last one I did, it's getting looser and looser mm -hmm. each time. So the last one, um, uh, there were a lot of people. It was just uh, people coming in and me just talking to them and, uh, I kind of was like, look, there's no rules to this. I don't want it to be, again, like I'm on a stage and you guys are in the stands. We're all here together. So I had done the whole as an hour, so I did maybe 50 minutes. And at the last little bit, I was going to read a poem, and these two girls got up, and I was like, are you guys leaving on the last <laughs> bit? And they were like, no, we're going to come sit on stage. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. Can everybody else come? And then everyone got on stage. And it, like, even that, to me, is, uh, is that's what I want. Yeah. I want. I don't want to have to go. Here you go. Come on stage. Like I want someone to go. Hey, we're gonna come on stage. Deal with it, and then we get to figure out what that means. And that makes me really happy. So Dallas is gonna do a poem for us hmm. because why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> I want to find one that that feels that so retrograde. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> there's. I mean, they're all there, but I feel like there's probably one that's really, um, that's really uh, you guys. Okay, so. Can I snap it? 
If you want. It might be too long. That's okay. Okay. We can't give them everything. Just a snap of the snap. Yeah. Is this? Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't read this before out loud in the world, so we'll see Beautiful. what it sounds like. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Let's see. You can lie in the corner and cry for the ways that you're broken and falling apart, or gather together those busted up pieces and set off constructing great art. You can stand on a hillside and sing for the people who feel like they've never been heard. You can run from your troubles or face them flat-footed. You can win with a will and a word. You can go to great lengths to find strength in your purpose or mask what you know in your soul. You can build up a wall or set out to climb one. You can scramble up out of that hole. You've got choices to make every day, every hour, and the means to move minds. You've got plenty of power. And though you've been hurt, you've been down or bled dry, you've still got a chance if you're willing to try. Just like those others had chances before, those voices you hear you can't simply ignore, those spirits are cheering you on in your sleep, the ones who kept climbing no matter how steep, the ones who kept going no matter how tired, who helped carry us here as the seconds expired, they had choices, great choices, between breaking and being, between hiding and helping, between fighting and fleeing, between keeping a secret or banging the drum, between the people they were and the ones they'd become. And just like the rest of us, they stood in the dark, and they knew they knew nothing, but they'd seen that sharp spark, and they felt that potential, and they grew, and they gave, and they wrote out their stories on the walls of their caves, and they rode out toward glory, just as scared as can be, because choices have to be made if you want to get free. Thank you, Dallas. That was that was spectacular. That seems thematic. Yeah, that was perfect. We just did, and it was really like a great book end to the whole conversation. I feel like awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So our listeners can find you at Dallas Clayton and DallasClayton.com. All your books, all your all your beautiful art. It's never too late. Make magic, do good. An awesome book. An awesome book of thanks. <laughs> A is for awesome. Lily the Unicorn. And an awesome book of love. Yeah. Beautiful. It's been a joy to speak with you. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. It's time for R&T. Those stems and leaves. It's time for R&T. Those stems and leaves. Who's down with R&T? The T is starling D. Elizabeth is Living for our jingle, still singing anyways. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, <laughs> oh, love that jingle so goddamn much. Forever Rose. Yes. Okay, so Collective Rose. Give it to me, girl. We went on a fun little daytime date to Mercado Sagrado in Angora Hills at the Paramount Ranch. Angora Hills? Yeah, is that how you say it? Agora Hills? Sure. Yeah. No N. Yeah. Hey, guys. I'm like, Angora. Just reading for the first time over here. I think here. Angora is like an African country, hmm. but I also don't know geography. Who knows? But yeah, no, the, the rose of where it was for me is I love the Paramount Ranch. It's like the coolest thing ever. It's a ranch that Paramount owns that's built to look like an old western town they and that's where they shot the all the westerns. So amazing. I want yeah. to have my bat mitzvah there. Me too. <laughs> Will you get married there? 
Uh, All right, TV. I'll do it. You know, whoever wants to marry me, we can do it on that ranch because Elizabeth is non-committal, and I yes, really don't exactly. appreciate that. To be honest, so this event was so amazing. It was. Although I really wanted to buy this turquoise ring there, and it was like teeny tiny, right. and they're like, "That's one hundred and eighty dollars," and I was like, "Huh?" Let's break it down Not for wellness. those who weren't there. Yeah, there were a. Zillion uh, artisans. artisans, not a zillion, but a lovely number, all kind of Probably strewn about, 50. about throughout the property. So you'd be walking in the woods and all of a sudden they're like selling essential oils or a Yanni egg. Which I bought, you guys. Stay tuned. We're going to have an episode about that. For the things I call in. Google it. To my vagina. I don't think um, that's how it works, but that's how I'm assuming it yeah, works. Yeah, why not? That's what happens when you put a crystal in your puss. You can fit an egg in there. You can fit anything in there. That's what I'm saying. The event was so, it was just like fun, like-minded people hanging about. I wore platforms. Bad idea. She tripped literally 15 times. And every time she would do it, was it she was more of like lo- a little ankle roll. And you would always be the only one who saw me. <laughs> so we just kind of made, like connected. And I was like, I know, stuff. I know. <laughs> I'm like, well, you did wear 10-inch platforms to a ranch. So you kind of deserve what this What can I right say? Now. Can take the girl out of the fashion industry. Yeah. But. Sorry. You put her in a ranch, she's going to dress poorly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, can I just be really honest? I have like a light thorn that went with the the experience. I want nothing but your honesty. In the light of full disclosure, I'm going to be honest. The person working the door, don't know who it was. You mean the picnic table? Right, who was working the, the check-in when yeah. we got there, Yeah, was very unkind. And I feel like I can only say that from a place because I used to be the girl with the clipboard at the door, so I understand how stressful and how a million things are going on and you have to be problem-solving and greeting people and all of those things. But it's like we're kind of going into like a happiness, wellnessy type event. It's like let's be on brand. Yeah. Didn't love that. Ugh. It was kind of a little sour note for me. A I little think that's thorny. That's a really good note to the organizers. So sorry, you guys. So instead of emailing, I'll, I'll just record it on the podcast uh, and let well, you know. You're using your platform. But yeah. everything else was seriously amazing. Everything else was fantastic. I'm just saying, like, don't suggestion hire box. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's all. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but we had a lovely time. Highly recommend for next year, guys. Yeah, check it out. It's two days, and maybe next year um, climate change will chill a little, so it won't be ninety-five degrees right. in the middle of November. But we had the best time. Yeah. Um, what What other roses you got, Stephanie? Well, this is kind of a rose slash stem slash thorn, but it's just a great lesson. Okay, um, hit us with it. We just had the Taurian supermoon. We sure did. Which was beautiful visually, but also energetically. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of events coming up this weekend. Um, in which I was challenged with issues of my own self-worth. And I feel I was in a situation where someone that I had hooked up with, I ran into this person, and he acted like that never happened, and then subsequently tried to fuck my friend. Who you were with. Who I was with at the event. And... The shade of it all. It was just nasty. And I know like when you make out with someone and they finger you on the street, it doesn't really mean anything. But it was just like a weird situation for me. And I think me in my mid-20s would have felt like really shitty and really like undeserving and like ugly and gross and all these things. And instead it just – I had the opposite reaction where it was so clear to me what kind of bullshit I will not – stand for anymore and instead of being like he doesn't like me I was like I don't like him and that was like a beautiful yes coming of like age moment for me where I was like yeah it was like that shit is behind me now and I have 
now have a standard for myself that I know can't be penetrated. So yes, it was a shitty situation and it was it was like kind of hurtful, but at the same time I think that those lessons are really valuable and important. So thank you, Taurus Supermoon, for pushing me through that. Proud of you, Boo. Thanks. That's wonderful. Yeah. What's um, yours? Well, you know, I got into the roses. We we did a like an extended rose and thorns last night for the live episode, so I had to quick think of some. And mm-hmm. it's been a, I will say that the thorn rose deep self reflection in like all things that are part of the flower mm-hmm. is uh <laughs> You know, there's a huge challenge that I think we're all feeling, all of us, like, as a collective consciousness, Mm -hmm. and that of, like, understanding how to find kindness within within ourselves as we're feeling like things are not kind. Mm -hmm. And um, they feel a little upside down, and there's, like, a huge spiritual task there. And that's just an interesting conversation, and it's, like, how can I, like, if, if we come from the point of view that, like, everything is as it should be, and, you know, it's digesting that and really digging deep into yourself to find solace and find calm. So I don't know if that's a thorn or that's a rose or whatever, but that's just something that's come up for me. And throughout that, I find I found some fun internet videos that might... Uh, detract you what's the word yeah distract distract. you distract and detract from what's going on so here are my top three okay one the live action beauty and the beast trailer hit it up oh my god all the feels (laughs) two the uh ending scene of transparent season three in which judith light judith light's character sings a cabaret rendition of hand in my pocket by alanis morissette Uh. all the fucking tears done i'm done by walking away from the tv because i just had a feelings orgasm fuck i have to watch all of transparent so good yeah you got to get into it so good it builds i've just been watching this is us and that's been my cry release but i do love Transparent. yeah so highly recommend that and then also Last but not least. Don't even say this. Welcome to the world, baby no! dream Kardashian. No. Yes. Come on, guys. Doing the mannequin challenge while you're giving that birth. Was it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Hashtag mannequin challenge. Oh, my. I, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Kris Jenner actually looks like she's made of fucking wax. Either way, she is. it was a welcome distraction. I'll take it. I'll take it any day. It's pretty apropos that Dream Kardashian was born on election Don't day. Don't you think they were like <laughs> when, so bummed? They're yeah. like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> this is supposed to be our baby's moment. Cue the special <laughs> now. I'm actually speaking of specials, very much looking forward to hunkering down with you over the holidays and eating some popcorn covered in chocolate and tears and watching the Mariah Carey yes. eight part miniseries. Absolutely. <laughs> I said, we talked about this last night. I said, yeah, but we have to bank them so we can watch all as a clump and like not we're not gonna do this week to week bullshit what, what the fuck you think that I would do that week to week I'm not gonna come back week after week we're gonna have one long we're sad have amazing sitting one long sad as she would say Mariah moment yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing so we're talking about the Mariah Carey eight part mini docuseries on E! guys get involved we'll well, maybe we'll do a side podcast of commentary. Who knows? There's still light in the world, guys. When Mariah is wearing a bustier, laying down on a on a fucking chaise lounge <laughs> on cable. So, um, <laughs> God. Yeah. So I guess that's our show today. I feel like we really we really did it, Elizabeth. I hope that this conversation inspired and elevated the heart a bit. We were so, we're so happy to be back and recording. I think the point is just to. In your life, be as open and loving as possible amidst these times and fight the power, y'all. Yeah. Do it with love. Yeah. Absolutely.
Okay. You can find us on that's so retrograde.com and at so retrograde. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. And um, as usual, guys, namaste listening. Bye. Yes, that's so retrograde.